welcome back, everyone. This is actually the first episode of the NAST Studios. We've got some work to do on the walls, but I have a, I've had a few people come into this space. Probably, I'd say, at least 10 to 15 people come in, and everyone said the exact same thing, that there's potential. I like the walls. Yes. I like the walls. It's like, it's, it's got the Joe Rogan effect of where, like, I feel like whether people like Joe or not, he kind of set the standard with, like, the brick wall. Did he? Yeah. I'm, I'm not oh. really, like, too hip, honestly. Fair enough. Because he started, like, he started <clears throat> in the early 2000s, and, like, I compare Joe and my success just through, like, where I want my podcast to be, right? Mm. And when I see, when I, one of the first things I looked up when I looked at Joe's podcast was he started on, like, a live stream thing, mm -hmm. like, in the early 2010 era. Super shitty, like, with shitty effects where it was, like, snowflakes coming down on the screen. That's sort of dope. And, um... After episode 500, literally 500, he moved into like his space that everyone has seen on TV or whatever. And it's got a brick wall. Yeah. That's the that's so, the iconic part. Yeah. And it took, I have no idea how many episodes it took, how many like years it took to do 500 episodes. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. So like right now I'm at like 330 or something. Right. Yeah. And I had, had a goal of five years. And if I didn't make it in five years doing whatever. Mm -hmm. It was time to like put something on the back burner and focus on something else. Mm -hmm. And within four years, just had the NASA Live podcast. Um, was able to move into my own space um, with the brick wall. <laughs> the brick wall. It's, it's big. It, it's, congrats, yeah. man. Yeah, thank That's you. A, Super exciting. This is your whole your whole ass space. Yeah, man. And you're the you're the first guest here. What so an honor. It's super exciting. What an honor. And I've been a fan of your music for a while. Damn, man. I feel like I think it was one of those gen like things where it's organic where i'm just listening to fucking whatever type of jazz music i like to listen to mm -hmm. and your shit just like pops up on spotify oh really i think it was that and then and then i had no way because i have this like giant fucking list of artists like it's probably over two to three hundred people of like just names of who i want to have on it's crazy and the last name is obviously like the newest name. Uh -huh. I just scroll to the bottom of my notes. Right, right, right. And your band was like somewhere in the middle. Oh wow! So I, <laughs> I had you've been you've yeah. been knowing about it. Yeah, that's so cool, man. That's it's awesome. exciting for you to be here. It's, well, I'm here you. with Bobby Granfeld. Yes, from thank you. High Pulp, and uh, Bobby's originally from Seattle, and now I feel like I grew up here. It's interesting because it, it instruments an instrumental band can literally be from like wherever, uh -huh. like. Do you, is there, is there ways that you're able to like connect with Seattle and people know that you're from Seattle or is it kind of cool? Like even your newest album is like, it's like desert, desert centric. So right, right. I guess in like Eastern Washington, we have an actual we, there's desert, some desert, yeah. but it's just so like, it's a uh, instrumental music can reach anyone, uh -huh. you know? Absolutely. I feel like for us, we all just met here. All of us are from Seattle or Bellevue or uh, Burien um, from sort of the area. And then Rob, our keys player, is from <clears throat> uh, Minnesota. Okay. So, but we're, we're Seattle sold. Like, our soul is in Seattle. When mm -hmm. we're home, it's it, when we're talking about when we're home, that means we're in Seattle. So I feel like our time playing at the Royal Room in Columbia City for, we played every Wednesday for a year. And Damn. then... Um, we kept that Wednesday thing going and turned it into sort of like a community jam featuring the members and stuff, but it wasn't officially high pulp, but mm -hmm. we basically really grew up like as a band there. And I feel like a lot of our community and our connections, I mean, we've had so many people in the band, you know, over the years and people guesting in and out and just like, now we go sort of anywhere to any show in Seattle and we seem to know people. People yeah. have played in the band, you know wow. what I mean? It's a big community. So I feel like that's sort of our our Seattle connection isn't so much in a sound, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or an aesthetic or anything. It's more just like in the soul, you know what I mean? Of like why we, how we came to be. It's yeah. like foundational to us. That's yeah. beautiful. My only experience so far, and I hope to have more experiences with the Royal Room, but it's kind of funny. So I... I was opening up for, oh, shit, I forget his name. That sucks. He's like a jazzy rapper. He's local to Seattle. Jazz rap. Damn, that is embarrassing. But anyway. Somebody. Somebody. He's cool. He's a cool dude. All right. And anyways, it was wintertime, mm -hmm. and it was right after, it was like a month or two after Halloween. Okay. okay. And that's important because on Halloween, I did a 
a, a homegrown, which is my friend Carter's um, brand, yeah. and Nast show at his uh-huh. house, uh-huh. and it was a Halloween theme show. So uh-huh. like you get in cheaper if you have your costume yeah, 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 or whatever, yeah. right? So what I do is I dress up as like the weekend, uh-huh. and I don't know if you listened to his album where he had like the bandages all over his face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So like I had the whole like red suit, okay. the gloves. The bandages. It was a great fit. Yeah. And I just fell in love with these gloves because I got them for like $20 at, um, I think it's called Red Light in U District. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd think I fell in love with them because they're good gloves. They're good gloves. But yeah. also, like, I'm very, uh, I like to save money where I can. Of course. So if you're at a thrift store, you expect things to be cheap. Mm-hmm. So $20 for gloves at a thrift store is a lot of money. Red light's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I was like, I want to cherish these gloves forever yeah. because they're $20 gloves from a, you know? Right, right, right. And then. There's I'm, superpowers in those yes, gloves. Yes. So I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to the Royal mm-hmm. Room to DJ for the jazz artist. Mm-hmm. And when I'm when I get home from after the event, I realize. I'm missing one of my gloves. Oh, no. And these gloves are like black gloves that look like OJ gloves. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from, I still have one glove just in my like front seat. Yeah. So everyone comes in and is like, oh, my God. Is that, a, is that an what OJ? What you got one glove for <laughs> yeah. in here? And Do I, I want to get in this car? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of energy? Yeah. Like there's a, there's a bloody knife. But that's right, the, right, right. <laughs> we don't, that, don't worry about that. It's the glove. Yeah. That's the sus part. So I left one of the gloves <clears throat> at the Royal Room. Okay. And... Like in the back of the royal room, it's it's like there's you know you like put all your gear. It's kind of a small space, tiny right? little green room in the back. Yeah. So, about a week later, I'm like, I was living in um, I still am. I I was in the CD. That's mm-hmm. where I live. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's not too far. I'm, it took a week, but I'm like, I want to go drive back down to the royal room when I have time mm-hmm. to get the glove. Mm-hmm. I convinced like the front ticket lady to let me mm-hmm. in the back. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, you need to get the heck out of here. Because I'm just like some random guy. Just came through. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah, yeah, going yeah. through people's like equipment. Oh, you're like, in the green room <laughs> looking through the shit. Yeah. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just some That's manic funny. dude looking yeah. like moving equipment. And I'm like, no, trust me. I'm just looking for my one glove. <laughs> yeah. And then the people are like, he's looking for his one glove. Like, you know what I mean? It's not even like you're looking for an instrument or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so needless to say, That's I, nev- funny. I never found that glove. Really? But I just have this. I'll see you next time. I still got people that work there. I'll see. Uh, I'll see if I'll see if it turned up. Yeah, I'll like, ask, have I'll you ever ask. seen an OJ Simpson looking glove? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, the Royal Room's a special place, and yeah. I feel like you know to have the you know just to work things out every week and play every week and like yeah. you know it, it just makes it a lot more. The stakes aren't as high when you're just like we get to do it again next week. Mm-hmm. I messed up that part. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like sort of the only like only good things can come from doing stuff repetitively like on weekly you know where yeah your mistakes don't matter as much you meet people people either don't fuck with it and they leave or you make fans you know what i mean like it's not like people are you know when it's a residency kind of thing like that it wasn't it was a it wasn't even a a cover for it it was Mm -hmm. an open you know free to come in just making money off the bar or whatever and you know it's it's just a really like positive environment to explore and go for things and then build community and i mean that's still where our our community is like yeah based out of we go back there and it just feels like home Hell you know yeah. how does like <coughs> i feel like if you're working in like a group you, you kind of said that your band is like ever evolving kind of but let's say we've like, settled now i think cool. but it took us about five years to Damn. like finally find our, our group yeah so for like the residency was that like the same people for that whole year Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. um well yeah we had the same core for that whole time okay. um and then we would just have you know our friend could make it and play trumpet and he knew the tunes whatever come on mm-hmm. um or a trombone like we would have people come and go and then we really when we transitioned out of it being a high pulp residency we used to do this residency called express yourself and uh, our friend lovely was the host and we would have singers and rappers and poets and dancers tap dance like literally everything you know and just it was wednesday nights and it was all improvised so like the band was just fully improvised and that led to some really cool things and some like really you know we're playing like it doesn't sound good always type thing um but again that's just like a thing that's good to do you Mm -hmm. know 
Um, and it was in that period, especially that we really like started just working with a bunch of people. That's when we met Shayna, I think was during express yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Shayna's good. Like old friend. Um, yeah, it was just sort of a, it was cool. You just like started to see a little, Mm -hmm. uh, wave come in where it was just like, Oh, people are like, Oh, it's Wednesday night. Yeah. We're going to the Royal room. And that was really important. Just like building community. Mm -hmm. And that's when we then started taking our show to Numos or Nectar or, you know, wherever else, Chop Suey, wherever else we'd start playing after that, we had a, a crew already that was like, Wednesday yeah. night at the Royal Room is our thing. So we, we'll go to the Numo show too because that's all family now, yeah. you know? So I feel like if you build it from the ground up in that way, it really sort of takes care of a lot of the, the shit that people spend a lot of time mm-hmm. worrying about after yeah. the fact, you know what I mean? You probably had like some shows <laughs> when you were first starting to jam that were probably like, not a lot of people showed up or how was that? Oh yeah, dude, yeah. all the time. Yeah, I mean, especially like we started at the Royal Room, so it was like mm-hmm. a full year every Wednesday. You think we're playing a packed Royal Room every Wednesday? Right. Hell no, you know what I mean? Like, and that's sometimes, that's cool. There's six people there and you're basically just there with your bandmates mm-hmm. and you're like, let's just play this song and really go deep on the solo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Let's try this, let's try that. And you get to experiment and it's different still experimenting in that situation that scenario than it is rehearsing at a at your house or whatever Mm -hmm. like there's a different thing you're playing in front of people it doesn't matter if there's you know three people or 300 people it's a different vibe than when you're at your rehearsal space so Mm -hmm. i feel like that was really like helpful for us to like find our our sound and also to find our um vibe with each other as musicians right is seattle like a music-centric city in the sense that like it's easier to tell if a band is good or not if there's a vocalist, you know? Mm. Like, so how mm. do you think people are able to, like, check you as an instrumental band to be like, we don't like what they're playing right now? Yeah. Or, like, tell if they're actually messing up versus, like, oh, that's just artistic. <clears throat> like, right. how is someone to really know if someone is, like, squeaking on a saxophone or if that mm-hmm. they're just trying to hit a high note and it's, like, artistic or not, you know? I don't think it really... I don't think it really matters. It's, like, if the music gets you... It gets you, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true with you have a vocalist or if you don't have a vocalist or if it's um, any kind... Of, like, you know, just... I, I yeah. think that as you get deeper into the specific instrument, you know, like, you can, you know... I, I can hear different things in a drummer than people that don't play drums maybe but maybe right. not you know what i mean like and some of the things that might be bad about you know or doing it wrong or squeaking like i actually like and you know so right. it's there's no like check you know boxes to check and be like here's a grade it's more like does it get me doing it does it do anything you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and you know if it does then i'm then i'm there you yeah. know and you're a drummer. I'm the drummer, yeah. And how did that become a thing for you? I just played, I, I, my cousin got a drum set when I was 13. Or no, I was like 11. And my cousin got a drum set. And I went to his place and played his drum set. And I just fell in love and convinced my parents to get me a drum set mm-hmm. a couple of years later. So I got it when I was 13 and then took lessons and played. And I just immediately started playing in bands. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole thing. And I think that that's a you know, different people, like, their parents make them play an instrument, you know? Um, I was like, I want to get a drum set. I want to start a band. You know what I mean? So I've just been playing in bands since I was 13 or 14. Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you find bands that, like, were you in, like, high school, middle school bands? Or, like, did you actually, like, find, like, garage bands? Oh, yeah, we, like, no, we, like, I wasn't in high school, like, bands. or I wasn't in any, like, official band, like, school thing until college, and I played in the jazz band. but. My high school didn't have a jazz band, and I was just like forming bands with friends, and we'd play at. There's there was actually a really like robust, especially as I go more in different parts of the country, and you realize that this isn't always the case. But there were so many all ages venues, uh, and like community centers and mm-hmm. stuff like Ground Zero in Bellevue, yeah, across from Masa. the Bellevue Park, you yeah. know? It used to be a crowd. I guess it's yeah. a new one now. Dude, that's but. where I met them. I met them when I was 18. I had just gotten let go from moving 92.5. Uh-huh. And that's how I got my start in, like, media and radio. Okay. And, like, 
I had spent like my final check and I only had like twenty dollars left. Mm-hmm. And um, GZ had randomly like DM'd me, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I felt compelled to meet them, even though I was so low on money. Mm-hmm. And I like spent my literally like the last twenty bucks until I got to get like, out there. Yeah, uh-huh. and like I, I remember the fucking. <coughs> I went to this gas station in Bellevue. Fuck, I forget. It's like right when you get off like five twenty, mm-hmm. and it's like one of those gas stations that's like overpriced for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I it's spent in fucking Bellevue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I spent my twenty bucks on like not even a lot of gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I felt like I had to you get. You gotta to get it. there. And I, I met the team and everything, and like yeah. so I was like I met them maybe like a like a month before they left that space. The one, the yeah. old one the that was in the old, it was an old church across from the park. Yeah. Yeah, that was like that's where I played my first show. Really. You know? I think I just turned my first like real show. You yeah. played like a talent show at school, I guess. You yeah. know, but like I was like fifteen, maybe just turned sixteen, we played at Ground Zero. Damn. Um and I mean that community, you know, I'm still f- in touch with a lot of those people and you know, everybody because like the thing basically for like me growing up, like in the the, the music community that I was in mm-hmm. Which is like totally different from like Andy, who plays saxophone in the band. He grew up and he went to Roosevelt and like was playing in the middle school jazz band and yeah. just like fully like like the school path. And like yeah. for me, our path was you just go play shows at Ground Zero or the Redmond Firehouse mm-hmm. or the Vera Project. Vera Project. You know, K Tub, like K Tub. Oh my god. The yeah. slab, uh, <laughs> and the lab, the drum schools in Seattle. And you know, basically once you're like 18 you just go on a diy tour you know and there's a there's this website dodiy.org it still exists but i remember especially back when i was like 17 or 18 you could just book a whole tour Mm. down the coast and you know you're playing in seattle olympia portland eugene chico or something bay area la san diego and you can come back up and like to be an 18 year old and just being like i have a band yeah we're touring you know doesn't even matter if nobody's there you know what i mean like we're building this thing and there's actually like some friends that i have now from those years of doing these diy tours that you know i don't know it all builds towards something i remember my parents being like what do you what do you do you know what i mean they wouldn't even call them tours they were yeah. like your trip you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like call it a tour you know what i mean i was like <laughs> yes it's like 18 years old i'm like this is a goddamn tour yes. <laughs> you know yes. it's like they're sort of right you know it was both is both but um i just you know like from a young age we just sort of like committed to being like this is what we're gonna fucking do yeah you know what i mean and a lot of those friends a lot of those connections turned into friends mm-hmm. and a lot of those friends are still friends and still doing music and we're still playing shows and it's this whole network across like the country you know yeah. and it's you know it's it's cool you know and yeah. that diy like mentality i mm-hmm. think is like important to high pulp yeah i think one of the biggest wins is like of <clears throat> course getting fans but like if you have a family that doesn't really understand what you're doing and mm-hmm. then they finally like it clicks with them, mm-hmm. that's like one of the biggest wins anyone can get. Totally. They get it now. It's cool. Yeah. Like they're like, you, you, you should, like, you gotta, you gotta do this. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Cause like, I'm just like, I don't even pay rent anymore. I was living in LA for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just on the road enough between all wow. of the different bands that I don't pay rent anymore. And they were like super supportive. They were like, yeah, get the fuck out of that house, stop paying rent and just go on tour yeah. indefinitely. I'm like, damn, you guys are cool now. <laughs> like, you, guys, you know, like <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. So. so previous like interviews, I've like the, like write ups and like podcasts that you've done. Mm-hmm. You're really big into talking about like DIY and like yeah. your band, like represents like a DIY type band. What does that mean to you though? Like what does DIY mean for you? I think it just means that before you look to, outsource anything you ask if you guys can do it yourselves first because Mm -hmm. if you have a vision that's if you have a vision and you have the the time and the money in some cases like you can really do most things on your own Mm -hmm. and it's too often i feel like people are like oh if i work with this guy Mm -hmm. if i get this person to mix it you know or this person if i go to that studio it's like you know, you can sort of cut all that stuff off at the front end and 
keep things internal, which I think allows it to like simmer in the flavors that you chose to put in there. Cause every time you bring somebody else on, Mm -hmm. um, another flavor enters and that's fine. Cause another thing we talk about a lot is community and it's super important to have community and to build it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think that DIY is just as much like a, a a state of mind doesn't mean you're always going to do things yourself, you know? Um, but before you just assume that you can't do something, you ask, can we do it? And then when we've done that, it's led to, we record all of our albums ourselves. You know, we do the mutual attraction thing all ourselves with the videos and like just being able to, put something in the pressure cooker and like take care of it yourself, mm-hmm. you know, makes it, I think, come out more unique. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm all about too. Like I started out like doing like when I had my own show and I wasn't doing anything with 92.5 anymore. Like mm-hmm. I started doing like zoom interviews cause COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So I went from like zoom interviews, like two or three years ago to like this mm-hmm. and like everything in this space is like mine. And like when I start bringing on like clients and everything, I'm going to be the only one that's editing and mm-hmm. producing everything. Like that. And at a certain point, it might become too much to handle For and then sure. you want to build out the team. But also if like at some point, some company was like, we like what you're doing. We're going to, we'll buy you our, your, your podcast out and we'll give you, a th- you know, thousand dollars a month. And it's like, you know, that could sound really good, but it's also like when companies come and, and stuff like they're, t- they're giving you $1,000 a month because they think they can make $5,000 a month right. on it. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of people also then, especially in music, like, you know, give their their shit away a little too quickly, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not a bad thing. Like, again, like, we made a decision to start working with a record label, mm-hmm. and it felt right for us at the time, but we, like, intentionally Brag about pressed, our, we pressed our first record ourselves. You know That's what I mean? Intentionally. Crazy. You know what I mean? Like... What'd you say though? Bra- brag about who's on your label. You oh, some- <laughs> bro, I'm not about that. <laughs> you, you can do cool it. <laughs> there's cool. There's a lot of cool, a lot of cool bands on the label. Yeah, you know, and it's really eclectic, so it feels. That's awesome. You know, it's, man. it's nice to be with open ears. Mm-hmm. And I read somewhere you had like your own like DIY label at one point or something. I did. I I tried and failed. I actually tried to start two record labels. Oh. Um, I don't know if they failed, but. I'm not doing them anymore. Okay. I just am not passionate about it, I found out. Okay. Because, again, the record label thing that I was trying to start, that I started and put out some stuff under, and um, it was just a, another community outlet. Mm-hmm. It was like, let's just, you know, put out all of our friends' music, and, you know, if if we're getting some love for our project, maybe we can, like, make this whole collective whatever love high pulp gets we can also sort of spread it to the record label mm-hmm. and then put on for all of our friends across the country and yeah and then it just got to be way too much work are you someone who wants to be like more on like the artist side of things or do you also try to be like business business centric as well i would prefer to just do the artist shit yeah but i have to do the business stuff sometimes got it where, where we're at right now with all this stuff it's just like you know managing the bands and mm-hmm. um all that interfacing because we don't have a manager um so that's doing all the inner like the label talking and the booking agent stuff and just all that stuff interfaces through me and it's it's fine i like it because Mm -hmm. i get to have a hand in like okay who's opening you know okay Mm -hmm. how we when do we want to release this all that which are conversations you'd be a part of anyways with a manager but it's just like a little quicker to the point and we can save our money that way mm-hmm. cuz we can't really afford a manager. And have you been like have you guys had managers before? We have, yeah. And like what are like the pros and cons that you've seen from that? Well, if you have a good manager, they'll just be moving the project forward mm-hmm. however however possible. And different managers have different skills and different connections and there's management agencies that mm-hmm. have a bigger network and there's individual managers that just sort of like DIY'd it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, in general though, having a manager just means that instead of looking at your computer for your email, you can be looking at your computer for your Ableton, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like just spending more time doing your, your music and then the manager can sort of filter things and be like, okay, I'm going to ask the band this important question, but I'm going to do all the advancing with the 
venues before the tour and i'm gonna do all the boring stuff with the label before you know like mm -hmm. and then get you involved in the things that matter so it just sort of streamlines that but Fair enough. you know but without it you can still get it done yeah. and you just save whatever percent a manager would take you know so if the right manager came around we'd totally i mean i think a good manager can do wonders for mm -hmm. for projects there's just a lot of like not great managers yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean people 100%. a lot of people want to take money you know yeah. what i mean like and like do some work you yeah. know it's like i can i can respond to these emails you mm -hmm. know what i mean i don't need a secretary to take 15 percent. yeah you know what i'm saying and how many members are in your band again we have six members wow mm -hmm. yeah what is traveling like <laughs> is that we have a like a short bus from a oh, uh, a old folks home that we bought from king county damn it's pretty rad. We like scrapped out the whole back of it and like built some shelving to like hold all of our gear. And then it holds nine people. Wow. We tour with eight. We have six in the band and then we have a tour manager and then like our social media person. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's like cozy, but it's really not that bad. Mm -hmm. You can like stand up, you know Dang. what I mean? You can, you can uh, really like, get into your zelda you yeah know? fair enough get get it going so yeah it's it's not too bad you learn how to travel yeah you know did you see yourself ever being like such like a a road dog type person yeah okay so you're just <laughs> this is like living out your dream well this is just like i said this is like yeah. when i when when we started playing shows yeah w like but when i was 15 it was like you're gonna start a band you're gonna tour you yeah. know what i mean so it was like just been you know, it sort of feels like this is, uh, yeah, it's just part of the the path. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. So, in like a in a world where artists can't just be artists, they got to be like a manager. They got to right. have like their own brand. They got to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. What is that like trying to have influence as an instrumental band, where maybe like just uh, an everyday fan might not know that you're like the front man or mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't think that we really think too much about anything other than making the music that we want to make. And I mm -hmm. think there's, like, so many people on the earth. And, you know, like, you can, we don't need to be the next big, big thing. Mm -hmm. But if you have, if you can go to different cities and sell 500 tickets, yeah. like, you can make a living for sure, you yeah. know. And so I think that there's, a pretty robust community for instrumental music and um, experimental music, electronic music, jazz music, all these things that we sort of take from. Mm -hmm. And we just sort of try to make music that is the, the most exciting to us. Yeah. And that's always changing, you know, yeah. um, and to hope that it connects with some people. And every single time we put out more music, it that seems to happen. And, you know, we just keep doing it and slowly building it, you know? Yeah. So we're not really worried too much about, you know, yeah, people that are like, oh, where's the words? Like, you know, that might not be for you. Or you might then hear it and say, whoa, this music doesn't have words. They chose for this music to just be instrumental. Yeah. I'm going to see what that's about. If Because a lot of people haven't even, like, really experienced instrumental mm -hmm. music before. I remember I wasn't you know until i was like 16 17 18 years old probably yeah. you know like my connection to instrumental music was just listening to hip-hop instrumentals yeah you know what i mean yeah so then you get into like music you get into jazz and shit you get older and mm -hmm. start house music and you're like oh wow this doesn't it's not better or worse it's just different you yeah. know what i mean yeah i think i'm i'm besides liking your music i feel like just in general, I feel like I'm almost more like a a main character type guy when you're listening to instrumental music because mm -hmm. it's like it's like the meme or something of like someone's head like leaning against a bus window and it's raining and you're just like listening to like yeah, music, you no, know. I mean, versus like if you're doing that thing and you're leaning your head against the window, it could be Eminem or something, but you're like you're you're feeling what Eminem's feeling versus yeah. like you you guys name like every s title of the song, but yeah. That song, the title relates to you guys, mm -hmm. but maybe I get a different interpretation of the title of the song. Absolutely, from what I'm hearing, you know? and that's the thing that we talk about internally in the band a lot is that instrumental music is less prescriptive as mm -hmm. 
than lyrical music and that allows you to become the main character yeah. you know so you know whether you're playing video games or on a run or having dinner with your family like whatever like the instrumental music makes your whole life feel like a movie yes you know yeah uh as opposed to obviously lyrics are amazing too yeah, for and sure. like when when lyrics hit like it nothing can really mm. it like the instrumental music doesn't can't do that because mm -hmm. it doesn't have the lyrics and when the lyrics hit it's crazy so there's just a time and a place for both yeah you know for sure but like i've been um luckily you found parking but parking here is sometimes difficult i like that where we're at is like a one-way road right here mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. like it's easy to find parking usually because mm -hmm. someone can't just randomly go like but like sometimes i like to park at the studio i manage in downtown on first ave mm -hmm. which is or is it second ave it's one of the i, I don't even know if we're, wait, we're on first no we're on, ave. We're, we're on we're on first okay on second avenue yeah. <laughs> yeah. on second avenue the studio i manage um i get like a complimentary like parking spot like in a garage mm -hmm. and it's like 10 minute walk not too bad right yeah. so like i was listening to your latest album uh -huh. and like there was getting we we're getting to a point where it was like in the song where it's like a lot of things are happening all at once mm -hmm. and i'm just looking around and a lot of things are happening at once outside yeah. there's yeah. like homeless people like fighting yeah. like there's like cars honking at each other totally. just so much stuff going on it was totally. like, i was like this is what i need to be listening to right yeah now. no i mean it's uh it, it can really allow you to see that at all times yeah like there's art you know yeah. and, and you can just see that the movie every like this is a movie right now yeah. you know that's a movie when you, everything is a movie and it's just sort of good to stay aware of that mm -hmm. it helps you keep your keep your things in perspective mm -hmm. you know with, with that how do you feel about like bad bad not good like do you like how great, the, how yeah. they like collaborate with vocalists and like how, how does your band <clears throat> t do you guys talk about ever collaborating with vocalists or how do you guys feel about that I think we're open to anything um i feel like we wanted these two albums pursuit of ends and days in the desert mm -hmm. they were both sort of they're like twins and they were recorded written at the same ish time recorded at the same ish time they're all covid related mm -hmm. and um as far as when we did it so we wanted those to be that's like our first statement really mm -hmm. you know we put out an album in 2018 when the band had different members and we were in mm -hmm. a different place and that's sort of just a different part of the the band and these first two records or these two records feel like our first records yeah. and i feel like now that we got that and we set our like instrumental piece or whatever we then now are like totally open to anything right i feel like initially like we wouldn't have wanted vocalists on either of these two records mm -hmm. but just because conceptually we're like yeah. we're gonna make our you know instrumental album and now it's like yeah maybe you know i think there's a lot of singers that are really amazing we're um doing some remixes right now nice. for the album with some people that sing salami rose joe lewis she's amazing sure. do you know her yeah that's she's cool. dope yeah and so she's gonna sing and um i think the mats and two are gonna do one and they're nice. gonna do some vocals so definitely into that mm -hmm. you know um I love how Bad Bad is so they're so delicate yeah. with their choices. We're we need to learn more restraint mm. if we're gonna be working with vocalists, I think. Right. You know what I mean? Um and that's something to learn. And like you, there's like a lot of like electronic stuff going on in your newest project. Is that I read somewhere that you're a producer too. Is that you doing electronic stuff or no. Um the keys players we all sort of like, you know, the roles in this band are not set in stone. It's not like you're the drummer, so you can only play drums. Mm -hmm. So there'll be little synths and little drum machines and sampler stuff that I'll do. But most of the electronic work on the album is Antoine, who plays keys. Cool. He's using a Moog Matriarch and a Modular Rig and a um, Moog Minotaur and a DeepMind 12. And then uh, Rob Homan, the other keys player, is using a Prophet and a moog as well so i feel like between all that stuff we get a lot of the the synthesizer mm -hmm. nerd 
vibe going because yeah. <laughs> we really like synthesizers <laughs> like, and yeah. we really like you know house music and techno music and mm. um yeah just you know ambient music yeah. you know just sort of the different corners mm. of of music you so, know? so you said it took some like how long would you say it took for you to find like these core members and like how did you decide that each person was going to be like a core member well twan's been in it from the start and then Scott and Garrick used to play in the band, uh, gu guitar and bass. And mm. then after some time, they both sort of took steps back. Um, we found Kaylee, our new bass player, who is wonderful, and she just fits. And then we added Rob, like, five years ago on keys mm. and then andy was at the pretty much the very beginning as well andy was the first per our sax <clears throat> saxophone player was the first person we added after like the core four mm -hmm. um and then victory we added so we, we've had the members these these six of us have been playing together for since 2019 i think Dang. and but the thing that we didn't really f know as far as finding the full thing is we kept thinking that we still needed more people mm. so we we had you know trombone a lot and we had trumpet and we had you know guitar and we had other just you know sing like we did stuff with Shayna and mm. just doing a lot of different things and it took a long time for us to just settle into the fact that it's like okay like you don't need more yeah. you know what i mean and that was also dictated by the social dynamics in the group too. And it's like, okay, like this six feels like, you know, a family, you know, mm -hmm. and like we can really go wherever we want to go with that, you know? And yeah, it's just, you know, being in a band like this, that is like really collaborative, it takes a long time to like figure that stuff out, you know, when you're, trying to hit a pretty small target on like what we're doing you mm -hmm. know it's like not everybody's gonna understand the vision you know mm. and that's fine it just takes time yeah you gotta be pretty invested to like want to tour too so like that's touring's fun though yeah you know um it's fun because you get to go put the put the thing in front of people and mm -hmm. on this last tour we did in june we were playing songs off the new record that hadn't been released and mm -hmm seen what the response was and that was like really fun got us really excited and it's just where your music gets to actually interface with real people mm -hmm. you know it's cool on this project you have like features so how does a band come to like decide that we need this feature as an instrument like do you guys are you guys like jamming and then like one of your like friends or something is there and they're playing with you or is it like do you actually make the song and then like oh I need this trumpet or it's whatever? that yeah wow. it's the later part yeah we we'll just like make a song and be like don't know what we really want for this bass you mm. know it's like oh let's see if mono wants to play or mm. you know we don't know what we want to do in this section let's have Jeff Parker take a guitar solo, you know, mm. just cause it'd be cool to see what his flavor is like on that. Mm. So it's pretty, uh, it's usually like one of the last things we add, wow. you know, that's pretty cool. I feel like moving forward, it'd be really cool to like work with some people closer to the front mm -hmm. and like compose with them. Yeah. But usually what we're doing is we're taking something that we've pretty much composed and then mm. saying here, you know, that's cool. Yeah. So you guys like all know how to read. You're like one of those bands that actually know how to read music and everything. Then. Not really. I mean, wow. it's pretty wide spectrum. I mean, people, everybody in the band can like, I guess, read music to a certain extent. I can read drum music. I'm. I can really slowly read like piano music. You mm -hmm. know, like really like as slow <laughs> as your like six year old cousin probably. Yeah. But I know what notes the. You know, I know that. But. You know, we, we, we're not, like, we've tried, in, especially more and more, and as we're doing it, to take a less academic approach, mm -hmm. you know, and to not really be thinking about it like that. We used to, like, write out all the horn parts so that when we would rehearse, just to expedite the process, yeah. so that the horns could read the shit. Mm -hmm. Now we're just, like, saying, hey, learn it by ear, figure it out, and that'll sort of internalize easier and quicker and we found that that's just been the case is like if you're learning on music it might take you like a week or two to get off of the music but if you learn by your ears it might be a little rougher at the start 
you might forget things, but after like a day or two, yeah. you know, you sort of have internalized it. Yeah. So, and isn't there a thing too? Like if you, I think there was like a study that if you play music, your memory lasts longer or something too. Might be offset by the weed we smoke. <laughs> 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 but it how probably <laughs> evens out. <laughs> but like the more Regular experimental memory. you get, then like. Like one of my favorite artists is like Lil Wayne. Like oh, yeah. every time he performs, there's always like some little like clip that comes out that him talking about like how half his music's like freestyled. Totally. And then he has to like write down everything like right before the performance. So like totally. how do you how do you guys make sure that you are ready to perform if it, the more experimental you guys get? Well, for performance specifically, we we just go back and we have to relearn our songs. Yeah. You know, because some of these songs we wrote two years ago you know and we hadn't released it or whatever so we put it away and you know you just have to go back and relearn it and then also you just don't really worry about the live show and the recorded show being like a one-to-one right. correct you know what i mean or like right. they don't need to be the exact same thing honestly if they were the exact same thing it might sound better if you just listen to the record <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like <laughs> yeah. just you know you come to a show to see a band do this live you know what i mean mm -hmm. um so we try to keep that in our perspective so we don't go too crazy trying to replicate things exactly yeah. you know that's what i like about tons of different bands is like you know when they're doing it differently and specifically like rappers you know mm -hmm. what i mean like when you hear different inflections or different like melodies with somebody like lil wayne mm -hmm. you know like um yeah it's just more interesting yeah that's fair. And what was it? you just performed at the Thing Festival? What was because that's I think that's a newer festival, right? I think it was the fourth year, maybe. Okay. What I was think that it started like? right before COVID, but then they had to take a year or two off with COVID. Got it. It was awesome, man. Um, it was crazy because that's like where I went to like sports camps. Port Townsend, that's deep though. Yeah, Fort Warden, and then like Andy, our saxophone oh, player. Right, I've been there for. I've been to Fort Warden. Yeah, our saxophone player used to go to like jazz camps up there, Damn. and like uh, Kaylee, our bass player, used to. She went to like theater camp up there or something. Wow. So like we all had these like adolescent memories of like that Fort Warden grounds. Yeah. And we hadn't. None of us had been back for like fifteen years. So yeah. Like, Whoa, this is a, a you know memory. Um. But it was cool. It was like it was a good vibe, and it was like pretty chill, family friendly. The crowd was excited. We did a our show, and then we did the KEXP. Nice. Saw a bunch of you know people that that hadn't seen for a while, and mm -hmm. saw some good bands, and said what's up to a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a nice little retreat. Yeah, what's it like being like a Seattleite with like a home base kind of in LA now? It's cool. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a there's a good amount of people that have moved. I think down mm -hmm. to L.A. Um, it's like a pretty cheap flight, and it's like two and a half hours. You can fly into Burbank, so yeah. you don't have to go into LAX. It's it's so yeah. You know, I come back a lot. You know, mm -hmm. it's um, it's nice. The weather's nice. Mm -hmm. Just doing the same thing that I was doing out here down there. It's just a different, different people. You right. know what I mean? Like, and I feel like at where I was at in my career, it made sense to go and nothing's changed other than the people. And okay. like those people have different connections. And, you know, like a lot of my favorite musicians live down there. I can go see like, you know, Jeff Parker on a Monday night and Mind Design on a Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, it's really it's really been inspiring, and the food is so fucking good. Yeah, just <laughs> so like too many tacos I'm dead. <laughs> all the time. So it wasn't like a for you wouldn't say it was like a forced thing because I feel like a lot of Seattleites are kind of <clears throat> I don't know what it is. There's a mixture of like we're used to have the mindset too, where it's like I feel like it. It's a mixture of a good mindset, but also like sometimes it eats people in, or punches or kick someone in the ass or whatever the right word is. Eat someone in the ass. <laughs> Eat their ass. <laughs> where it's like, we're just making music and we hope it connects with people, right? Mm -hmm. There's that approach. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of like a Seattleite mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. But then also, when you get, like some of my friends fall victim to it, where they get so much into that, that they realize, what is the next step? Mm -hmm. You know? So like, how did you figure out 
I guess you, you said you had that like mentality of like we need a tour. Yeah. But then like I don't know like I've had friends who've come on the podcast and been pretty blunt about like you tour and then for a while it's just like you just you ho- hope to break even oh, and yeah. then that Straight and up. then you don't you lose money. Yeah, you lose yeah. money. You come back and yeah. um you haven't seen like your significant other for a while potentially. Um, yep. you're sometimes like you late on rent or, or yeah. whatever. So like, how are you able That's why to, I don't pay rent. And <laughs> I don't have a significant <laughs> other. <laughs> no. Um, it's hard, but it's like, it's just sort of what we've always had. And that's another thing I think that binds our group is that we all have the same vision mm. of like, we want to be playing music, touring, putting out records and making a living, mm. you know? And like, you don't need to want all of those things. And if you don't want some of those things, then your life looks different. So if you want to be a touring band that puts out records, but that isn't able to make a living, then you can be a teacher and tour and do a fun little like DIY tour in the summer. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. If you want to put out records and make money and you don't care about touring, that's a different route. You know what I mean? Like, so, or if you want to just be a touring musician and be able to make a living, but you don't care about having your own band Mm -hmm. or, putting out your own music then you can be a hired gun in somebody's band that's awesome too so there's all these different things and what we knew is that we wanted to put out our own records to tour and to make a living yeah so that sort of dictated our path for us and i think that we're all pretty self-motivated people and i think that's part of why we all gravitated towards each other because we're like oh this person actually shows up Mm -hmm. This person actually practices when they're not at rehearsal. This person actually just has this love of music. They just make music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you know, we're not in it for any of the other reasons. And so that sort of naturally made our path clear to us. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. go do this, go do that. And eventually people started to, you know, catch on. And we've just been building out the team since. But it is a real thing where you can want to do all these things and then just sort of not know what to do after that Mm -hmm. you know and you're like well we've maxed out we've sort of capped out at like we play shows in seattle and they're fun you know and we have a little buzz but to get that next step is really fucking hard and i feel like we got lucky because we had some label with some connections like take a risk on us and be excited about our music because we didn't have those connections otherwise right and I feel like the only other way these days is to go viral and yeah. it's depressing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like really hard to start a project and crack through all the noise yeah. in 2023 unless you go viral. Yeah. Like I just had my, um, I hope you don't look down on me because of who I had on, yeah. <laughs> but I had this guy I won't look down on named anyone. Kevin Leon. Do you know who Kevin Leonardo is? No. <laughs> so Kevin Leonardo is, um, out of LA and he's an influencer who went viral probably like two months ago now Kay. for putting like Nair on his asshole Whoa. on YouTube and it's still up on YouTube and it's like 40 million views wow. and he's teaching people like how to like Nair move, move butt hair with <laughs> Nair what basically. What is Nair? You don't know what Nair is? No. It's like hair removal cream. Whoa. Yeah. And there's a video of him doing that to his asshole. Yeah and like you see his whole asshole but it's like educational. So it hasn't been like taken down. No, That's amazing. it's crazy <laughs> as fuck. But yeah, viral being viral is weird. But I'm also it's cool because I have been seeing quite a few of my friends like like Maya Manzer. Which, do you oh, know yeah. Maya? Uh-huh. She recently went like viral because of one of her like stage performances. And she's got like <coughs> all this following that's super excited to, for her to release that song she performed on stage. Word, yeah. So like there is some cool organic things, but honestly, I don't know. Even for me, like I'm four years into it, mm-hmm. and it does take a thing where you you really do have to have that journey. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even mad about it. It's more just like a bummer sometimes you know what i mean because it feels like it's just you know it feels slightly random at times Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like what gets into the algorithm and what doesn't yeah um but i love i mean i love the internet the internet's crazy Mm -hmm. you know and (laughs) so i'm not i'm not mad about the viral thing but it's just like yeah it's like damn how you know, what's the advice you give to like a band of like 17 year olds? I think it's the same advice still of just like, go fucking do it, yeah. build a community and don't worry about going viral. Yeah. Maybe you will. But like, 
I just feel like a lot of people's approach now is like, okay, I have to go viral or else. You yeah. know, like it's like, damn. How know? how did the label find you guys? Just through our per, our manager at the time, he had a connection. He like knew them and had managed a few bands and had a relationship with them. And he sent it and they liked it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, I mean, and that dude found us by just cold emailing us. Damn. So it's like a random person cold emailed us. He was like, I want to work with you guys. I, you know, let's do this. Introduce us to the label. The label signed. It's just like, yeah, pretty like you know, not a thing that happens to a lot of like, yeah, you know, you can't bank on that shit. Yeah, that's that is that is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it just like so. Did you feel like your mindset changed on like your trajectory after you got part of a record label then, or like, would you still have worked the same or? It's still the the same, and like. (laughs) <laughs> to anybody to anybody listening to this if you think you're gonna have your music career made because you're on a record label you're wrong <laughs> like there's so many bands on record labels yeah. if you go to a record labels website and you look at the bands on their roster like some of those bands you know yeah. don't have any people actually listening to them and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that because they're just trying Record labels are trying, some record labels are trying to find artists that they like, that they think could do well. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they even do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I think that initially I was like, okay, cool. We got signed to Anti. We're going to have all this shit, all these summer festivals. We're going to have the best booking agent. Mm-hmm. We're going to get all the reviews. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, cause there's more music than ever too, yeah. you know? So it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it, the, it doesn't stop, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that it's been amazing to be with them and they've been so helpful for us, um, as far as getting our music to more people and helping out with like the finances of the records and stuff and distributing it and all that. It's been the right choice for us for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but the olden day idea of like, we got signed (laughs) is not how it works anymore. (laughs) You know, like, and unless you're signing like a huge record deal with a huge record label and that is going to have its own handful of drawbacks as well. So it's like the music industry is like a snow globe that got shaken up in the last like 10 years with all the streaming, everything changing and the, the snowflakes haven't settled yet. Mm -hmm. So all these labels and people, bands that aren't on labels and management, all these people are all just sort of like, how do we, what do we do? You know what I mean? Like, let's try that. Let's try that. It's a bunch of people trying things. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really weird time to be a touring musician. How do you stay sane during all this? Play Zelda. <laughs> the new one? Yeah. What's that yeah. one? It's not Breath of the Wild. It's the no, second Tears one. of the Kingdom. Tears yeah, of the yeah. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Just hang out. I mean, we're doing this with our best friends. Yeah. So it's like we get to go around the country with our best friends and play music that we made and connect with any number of people. Yeah. It, you know, it stay, we stay sane because our, like, souls are taken care of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... You know, our wallets are not, but <laughs> there's also people that have their wallets taken care of, but their souls aren't, and yes. then they're going crazy. So it's like, yeah, man. you know, um, just stay positive and stay, like, gratitude. Keep gratitude at the front, you know? Yeah. I get to do this. Yeah. You know, and that energy builds, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Wait, so was was High Pulp, like, your vision? Like, were you wanting to do a, an instrumental band? Or, like, yeah. have you ever been in bands where there's, like, been, like, vocalist? Or were you ever... Yeah. Do you ever try to be a vocalist? I love to sing. I'm so bad at singing, <laughs> but I love singing. Um, no, I, yeah, we have, you know, we've all played in so many bands, mm-hmm. you know. Probably played in, like, 15 bands. Jeez. You know what I mean? And, like, everything from, like, post-hardcore, like, super intense, thrashy, yeah. screaming shit to, you know hip-hop groups to r&b electronic groups to indie rock things yeah back when i was in college yeah um yeah so i mean yeah everything everything and we all make our own music too in the band everybody Mm. has a solo project and everybody you know produces to some extent too so 
high pulp is the collective where we all come together and put this thing together nice. but we all are just musicians you mm -hmm. know and uh trying to to write music all the time we all love writing music mm -hmm. you know and that high you get when you write something and you get to hear it back and you're like this didn't exist before you mm -hmm. know that's um a thing we're all addicted to yeah. <laughs> you know like so yeah my last two guests um I had Jake one on, and oh, yeah. then yeah. um, MTK, mm -hmm. um, both producers, mm -hmm. um, and they were saying like it's been like a blessing to like work with huge artists, but like one way they actually make the majority of their li living is like doing like sample packs. Oh yeah, yeah, like as a drummer, have you ever considered doing that? Yeah, no, I'm actually talking with um, my buddy Tim about doing a sample pack with him. He's a cool producer or uh, like a engineer in town, yeah. and yeah, I feel like you have to diversify the ways that you can make money as a musician these mm -hmm. days and sample packs are a great way. And I have a handful of friends that are big on Instagram and yeah. like, they just make bank on their sample packs, yeah, you know? Um, so that'd be something that would be cool for sure. Uh, I, I have a few sample packs from some of my favorite drummers and I use them all the time, yeah. chop them up and reverse them and put, you know, filters and just like make them your own, you yeah. know? Um, so I feel like it'd be really cool to see what other producers did with a sample pack of yeah. my shit that yeah. they then chopped up and That'd be sick. you know did their their creative thing with yeah just getting to see how people take your voice mm -hmm. you know and and make it theirs that's yeah. cool. And have you ever seen Whiplash the movie? Yeah. It's like how accurate is that <laughs> about like besides the fact that he had an abusive teacher and all yeah. of that but like how accurate is that like my favorite part of that movie <laughs> my favorite part of whiplash is when the dudes are going to the concert and he gets hit by the car <laughs> and this super gnarly car crash and then he gets up and runs leaves the car <laughs> all bloody and just like plays the gig yeah. is the most ridiculous thing ever <laughs> the amount of people that ask me about whiplash <laughs> <laughs> this is the Everyone. last time I'm talking about Whiplash. <laughs> Nobody else asked me about Whiplash ever again. Um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> like, is there any like accuracy to like besides the whole abusive teacher and everything? But like yeah. how like intense it can be to be like a drummer and like are you like playing till your hands bleed ever? No, like... <laughs> dude. If you're playing till your hands bleed, you're doing it wrong, and somebody <laughs> should tell you to not do that. That part is hilarious. Um, it's like accurate in the sense that like. You know, I I think that jazz uh, and big bands and, you know, school can be, like, a pretty intense thing. But it's mm -hmm. not, like, J.K. Simmons type <laughs> intense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, a little – like, Whiplash is literally them taking a sports movie. Yeah. And instead of making it about basketball, they make it about <laughs> jazz drumming. Yeah. Which is, like, a hilarious, like – because if you just – change the plot to yeah. be about basketball you're like i've seen this movie a million yeah. times yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. <laughs> um but you know i think that the you know the time spent in the practice room alone and like really mm -hmm. sweating and sort of obsessing and putting in a lot of hours is a thing that happens yeah. you know and you know sometimes jazz band directors can really get on your ass and that's definitely true and there's competitions and shit and mm -hmm. so you know there were some parts of it that were definitely like accurate but the whole like dramification the you know the yeah. hollywoodification of it was just like sort of cute yeah you know what i mean I it, was, it was ridiculous but so, so i've done like steel drum before and that's very straightforward with like every little circle is basically a fucking a note. note yeah but for like an, a drum, are there are there, there are there no different notes on a drum? You can tune your drum to certain pitches, and some drummers do that. You know what I mean? I don't really do that. I just sort of use my ears, and I know I want you know the certain relationship to be a thing. Got it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really preference. Same with cymbals. Like the yeah. drum set is is the most open to to preference. Got it. I think that's another reason why I'm not an actual artist because huh. I, for whatever reason, like. I'm a good DJ. Uh -huh. I hope I'm an okay interviewer, but like I have like no rhythm whatsoever. It's the I I I couldn't if someone just gave me like a drum kit and was like mm -hmm. make a beat. I I, yeah. I don't think I could. Well, you just might have to have somebody show you the ropes for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just might be like the rhythm is just like underneath two layers of yeah. you know not rhythm and then you have a teacher get yeah. rid of those layers and then you're like, "Oh shit, it's yeah. there." You know, like I I just think that everybody 
if you sit down and just try it, if you love the music enough that you're just like, I just need to learn this. Yeah. I need, I need to learn this. And then you yeah. just get in it and you're like, wow, if I push these three keys at the same time, that is the song I love. Yeah. And then I do the next chord and that's the, like, now I'm learning this song that I love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I think it can. I think it can happen. You okay. probably got it somewhere in there. Somewhere, somewhere deep. It's somewhere deep in there. Yeah, it's like I'm like the Grinch with music. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> can you dance? No, dude. Okay. Dude, maybe I want to do like a dancing lesson or something. I'm so bad at. Dancing. You should do a dancing lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been it's thinking it. about doing that too. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know where to. Yeah, man. You just gotta get tapped into your body. Yeah. You know. I can talk with my hands because I'm Italian, but besides that, nothing. Right. 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 Nothing. But but with that, man, what's what's next for the band? You drop this project, you just did the Thing Festival. You have something coming out of KXP. I think it's still a little. It might this might be out by the time that the KXP thing happens. Mm, but you're doing yeah. something with KXP. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, what's going on? We're leaving on Sunday. We're going driving to Chicago on Sunday. Damn, it's Friday today, right? Yeah, it's Friday. Yeah. So in two days we go to Chicago, cool. and then we're doing the Midwest and the East Coast. We'll be gone for September. Damn. Um, come back. Take a little trip to New York for another show, and then different band going to Japan. That's crazy. We're staying busy, yeah. And then Fuck West yeah. Coast with High Pulp in November. Damn, man, you stay, you definitely stay busy. <clears throat> South Africa in December, baby. What? <laughs> That's crazy as fuck. Damn. So with Same that, busy. what is like some final advice? You've dropped a lot of gems. I, I feel like I got exactly what I wanted out of this interview. So Uh-oh. that's awesome. But what is some final advice you have for up and coming artists? Creators? Don't take my advice. <laughs> my final advice is to not take all my advice with a grain of salt. Um, stay single and don't pay rent. Yeah. Um, no, I mean for up and coming artists, for like younger artists, I really just think that it like it all is about community mm-hmm. and if you're going to have any success, it's going to be because of community and because people are coming to your shows. And like the reason people come to your show isn't because they want to necessarily even hear that music live. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if they want to hear the music live again, like it might sound better in the comfort of their own home with their nice headphones on, you know, and not around two or 300 sweaty people <laughs> and paying $9 for a beer, right? Yeah. The reason people come to shows is because there's a community there. Mm-hmm. And there's people that also like that same music. And there's people that want to meet other people that like that music. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like the whole thing comes back to community. And if you're genuine in your relationship with the music and with the people that are coming out to the shows and with the people you meet and you're making the music from a genuine place like everything else will take care of itself yeah as long as you're working your ass off you know what i mean yeah because you also have to do that yeah you know yeah but you just make sure that the the spirit of of where you're coming from and why you're doing things is is really solid yeah yeah i think i've only like obviously i've for the longest time i've when people ask me like what my job is, I say I'm a podcaster, but like it's only been recently that I've believed it like a hundred percent that mm. like I might be working harder than someone who's doing like a nine to five job. Oh, like yeah. An artist might be working harder than a nine to five person. Like, I mean, as my sister was talking to me about the other yesterday, she was like, "You just work like twice as much as everybody." Yeah, I'm like, sort of. I don't know. Sometimes, yeah. if you consider working like this. Mm-hmm. And then going to a rehearsal for four hours with my best friends. Like, you know, it's like we get to do this thing that's really special and we work Mm. really hard. But because it's this really special thing, it's not the same as grinding on a tech job for nine hours and, you know, or working security at a venue or something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I you know, again, just choosing to be excited and have gratitude for the opportunity to do this makes it so that you don't even necessarily realize that you're working hard yeah you know like and then you keep working hard you know and and it just becomes a habit uh to just stay positive and stay realistic yeah that's the thing too a piece of advice is if it sounds too good to be true it probably is <laughs> if somebody's like yo i'm gonna get you on this tour it's like yeah. are you oh this label's interested are they yeah we're gonna get you on this festival really you know yeah. it's like well 
you know, I just feel like in especially in my like early twenties, mid twenties, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I was like, oh, it's it's happening. Yeah, and it didn't happen. Yeah, you know, because people talk. Yeah, for sure. I get. That. I think I have one final question. I feel like I've kind of asked it before, but I feel like maybe if I change the word, you might have a different answer. I feel like so August. 18th is like my podcast anniversary yeah. and last year I did a retreat at my cabin and for like a week about 15 people different different people came throughout the week and like sometimes it's just me and three people sometimes it was me and five people sometimes it was one time it was just me and my friend Carter it was just us two and then like on the last night I'm looking up at the stars and I'm like I need to feel grounded because I know after I leave this cabin, I'm going to be like working nonstop. Mm-hmm. So I need to like remember this moment, mm. and hopefully I have some type of like mental break before mm-hmm. the next anniversary. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then by the next time, this year, I was like, I had to fucking like I got a grant to do the NAS live. So like I'm stressing about making sure I'm spending the grant money on the right thing, right. doing the actual event, opening the studio, and I've realized. Damn, I'm remembering remembering when I was looking at the stars, but I haven't had that break to really feel grounded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now I need to figure some way to feel grounded. Um, what do you do to feel? I asked how you what you mm-hmm, do to stay mm-hmm. sane, but like, what do you do to stay grounded after touring for so long? That's that's yeah, no, that's it's so hard, man. Life is f- genuinely wild, mm-hmm. and I feel like, especially recently in the last like six months. Whenever <clears throat> something, whenever it's been like, okay, now I can take a breath, something else happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it's like, you know, tragic shit, whether it's busy shit, whether it's touring, whatever it is. So I feel like to stay grounded, there's some basic things that you can do, like taking care of yourself, trying to eat well, mm. trying to meditate trying to drink water you know um and then also just being open with your friends and your bandmates Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i feel like that's the blessing too is like all these people that i'm spending all this time with and burning the candle at both ends with are also some of my closest friends so when you have a rough day you know what i mean you can just be like hey i'm I'm just not on today. Sorry. You know what I mean? I might be a little short today. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, or if you don't have the foresight to even do that, they might be like, Hey, what the fuck? Why are you being an (laughs) asshole? And then you can just be like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, you know, like I'm I'm having a, a rough day. And I feel like that's another thing that is, is really special because when it's your own band, this is your group of people that you chose to assemble. And, you know, if you're going out with, you know, uh, a situation where you're like a hired musician, that can be a little different if you can't really open up to mm-hmm. somebody or they don't know your background or your people or anything. And yeah. so I, I feel like, you know, if you if you just try to take care of yourself physically and mentally and then you make sure your community is around you. I don't know. I mean, that's sort of all we have when you're on the road or when you're off the road. It's yeah. the same thing. You know what I mean? It doesn't really make a difference. Um you just sort of need to prioritize that stuff Mm -hmm. and you know it gets easier to prioritize it as you get older i think and you learn how shitty it is when you don't prioritize it yeah and you're like i've been eating at mcdonald's and i'm not happy and i haven't slept and i'm having you know three beers at the show every night you know like and that shit just catches up for sure you know so yeah fuck yeah well, you can find Bobby and his band, High Pulp. And you have another band called Sun King. All on social media. And yes. they have a website. Yes. With that, this has been the Nast Podcast with Bobby Granfeld. And we did it.